Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back or welcome to Behind the Girl Boss. I'm your host Amanda and if you didn't know anything about me already, my name is Amanda. I'm a 22-year-old content creator from Montreal, Canada. I currently study full-time at Concordia University in Communication and Cultural Studies. I currently work part-time and I also have a YouTube, a podcast. I do Instagram blogging. I own two businesses, one being an apparel company and one being a candle company. And I also do video editing on the side. So that's a little bit about me, this podcast, like it's called, Behind the Girl Boss. I love to talk things business lifestyle, business lifestyle, all the fun things. Social media is also a key thing that I enjoy talking about on the podcast. My podcast is basically heavily based on interviews that I do with women who are in business, who own their own businesses, who are doing social media, anything in the business world. Basically, I love to talk to girls who are just doing the thing and doing it so well so before we kind of jump into today's episode i kind of just want to talk about the fact that i am in midterm week this week and the next week so for the next two weeks i'm in midterm session and i'm not excited at all i'm already tired and it's only sunday so i'm recording this intro on sunday and tomorrow is the beginning of my midterm week and i'm just like i'm I mean, midterms online is going to be just such a different vibe and such a different thing. Like, I can literally study until, like, the one minute before my class starts, which is, like, really cool. I could have done that before, honestly, but I never did it because I don't know. Um, But I just feel like it's more fun (laughs) to be stressed in my room than stressed at school, so I guess that's a plus. Um, But yeah, I'm starting midterm week, and I just want to wish everyone else who is starting their midterms or either finishing their midterms or anything, good luck, and you got this. Um, So yeah, for today's episode, I have yet another guest, and her name is Alyssa Kuchta. I hope I am saying that right. I am so bad with names. But Alyssa is the owner of FYB Jewelry, and it is based in New York City, one of my favorite places in the entire world. And basically, I had the chance to speak to her and we spoke all about how she started her business, how she went from working in her bedroom on the floor to having her own office space, how she got her products to sell in stores, how to go about doing all that, profit, everything. Like we spoke about every single thing that you can possibly think about and it was so much fun. I do want to put a disclaimer that she was in her office while we were recording because, you know, you got to work to get to where you want to be so there is a little bit of background noise but honestly didn't really bother me at all so i don't think it's gonna bother you but i do want to put a disclaimer out there in case anyone tells me anything i'm gonna tell you before um but yeah so i hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode i really really enjoyed recording it and Alyssa was so nice so without further ado let's get into it hey everyone what's up and welcome back to behind the girl boss today we have yet another guest and we have Alyssa with us so hi Alyssa. hi amanda how are you I'm good. How are you? Good. It's a rainy day here in New York, but being productive in my office. <laughs> it's rainy here too, so it's rainy all around. Do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm the founder and CEO of FYB Jewelry, which stands for Follow Your Bliss. And we're a jewelry company with a mission to inspire and empower young women through both our meaningful collections and our positive impact female community. Um, I live in Brooklyn with my fiance, and that's where our company is based. Our showroom is here in Greenpoint. And I've been in business for about nine years. Awesome. Love that. So before we kind of dive into the questions and everything, I like to do a little hot seat segment where um, I ask you questions and you answer whatever comes to mind first. So the first one is, if you could live anywhere else, where would it be? 
I don't say Bali. I went there last summer and it was just incredible. And I think about living another life where I give up New York and I live somewhere tropical, you know, mm-hmm. near the ocean. So Bali or Tulum in Mexico, I think those are two yeah. of my favorite places to visit. Awesome. That would be like a whole different like lifestyle, I feel. Yes. <laughs> um, the next one is your go-to coffee order. Oat milk latte for sure. Yes. Love that. I get that too. And the last one is a TV show you could watch over and over. Definitely the OC. The OC was like my favorite show growing up, especially in high school. Mm-hmm. And the music in the show like totally inspired my taste. And I mean, Seth Cohen forever. Mm-hmm. So my I've actually never watched it. crush. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You have to binge. The OC is the best. I feel like I've rewatched I it a hundred times now. <laughs> then I might watch it. Um, so when did your business journey begin and what made you want to start a business in general? For sure. So I started my company when I was in college. I was a senior at the University of Delaware. This is back in 2011. And I was majoring in psychology. And to be honest, I had like a mid-college crisis where Mm -hmm. I hit a wall and had no idea what I wanted to do after graduation. I was on the path to grad school and working in research labs and kind of realized that it wasn't the path for me. I felt really creatively unfulfilled. And I did a little soul searching. And in doing the soul searching is when I kind of paid attention to different passions and interests that I had. So I was working at a boutique part-time. I was in a sorority and I did a lot of volunteer work. And I want to say those three experiences collectively inspired me to want to create a brand with a give back mission. Mm -hmm. So the business began on my bedroom floor when I was in college, had no idea what I was doing. I never had a business background, you know, studying psychology. I never took like formal classes in business or jewelry design. Mm -hmm. It was really intuitive and, you know, based on my personal style and you know, I think also having the background of working for small business my whole life, um, really kind of, I had that entrepreneurial spirit from the beginning. Um, and yeah, so the company started and then, you know, I did my first trunk show when I was on campus, used my sorority network, who were the most supportive girls ever. And to this day are still some of my best customers um, and really honed in on my network, being a college student to grow the brand. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. And it really came from a place of feeling lost and not knowing what I mm-hmm. wanted to do and doing some soul searching on like thinking, what am I actually passionate about? You know, if I don't want to pursue this path anymore, what are things I'm interested in? And I think that's a great place to start. That's the advice I always give to any young girl who comes to me asking for advice on, you know, for mentorship, it's like, take a step back and don't focus so much on the career path itself. Like think about the things you care about and things that you're interested in. And then a path starts to form, you know, like for Mm -hmm. me, it was my interest in design and wanting to start my own brand and then wanting to give back and wanting to, you know, build community with young women. So it was kind of like, how do I combine these things? And that's when the idea of creating a jewelry brand kind of started to culminate. Was there like a specific like reason you chose jewelry and not like accessories or clothes or anything like that? Sure. I think I always had a love for jewelry. When I was growing mm-hmm. up, my grandma actually babysat me for most of my childhood. And a lot of our playtime together was sitting on her bed and going through her drawers and trying on her jewelry. So going through her jewelry box. And I think since I was like from the age of three, I always had a fascination and love for like baubles and beads and <laughs> just like fun, pretty pieces that she had. She had an amazing jewelry like closet of stuff. Um, and then I think I just always had, you know, love for accessories growing up. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. pursue fashion because I have an Asian mother and she was very hard on me and wanting to pursue like the medical field or doing something, you know, with psychology or going to law school. I think I kind of felt discouraged to pursue fashion as a major because my mother was like, do something with more, you know, on this path that just felt more stable. But I always Mm -hmm. was interested in accessories and fashion since I was younger. And then with jewelry, I think it was something that was easier to get into, to be honest, with clothing or with other accessories, especially when you're young. I started the company when I was 20. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very overwhelming to have to learn how to sew and find production for, you know, clothing, it just felt like a harder thing to start. And 
you know, naturally because I was always interested in jewelry, that's A, why I wanted to go that path, but B, it was easier to kind of get going with, you know, like you can work with your hands and really create something and design it and see it come to life right away than having to go through a process of like manufacturing. So I think those two things are the reason why jewelry felt natural for me. Love that. Um, So what about your jewelry line do you think makes it different and stand out from other ones? I think for us, it's our brand that really resonates. I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the designs are beautiful and they're really wearable. um, But I think it's like the meaning behind the pieces that really resonates with our customers. So every piece in our collection has a different meaning, whether, you know, like our packaging, for example, will say like ride the wave or wing woman or perseverance. And they're meant to be reminders for a young girl on her journey through life to remind herself to have the confidence um, to pursue her passion, you know, and to not Mm -hmm. feel, you know, insecure, like really empowering her um, along the way. And I think the messaging behind the brand, our packaging, and also our mission in our community, I think that's what really draws people to us um, is what we stand for. And that's oftentimes what customers will tell me is they love, you know, what we believe in and, you know, our mission to really bring girls together and empower them to, to pursue their passion. Love that. So how does your business work now? Cause you explained how like at the beginning you would like do it on like your floor of like your, um, your room <laughs> and everything. So like now is the jewelry still like all handmade by you, things like that. Yeah. So in the beginning I was handmaking all the pieces and my mm-hmm. mom actually used to help me. So we would literally sit at our kitchen table. So after I had graduated and I was really like pursuing yeah. the brand, my parents were helping me make the pieces and, you know, it was crazy because I was doing a ton of pop-ups and events and I would come home after working like, you know, a 10 hour day, like at the, mm-hmm. I used to do the Bryant Park holiday shops and then come home and have to fulfill online orders and, and make enough yeah. inventory to bring back to my store the day after. And then as time went on and we started to grow and scale, I had to find production partners. So mm-hmm. now we work with a team of women that help with the, you know, sourcing of the jewelry, the jewelry making. And, you know, it's great to be able to design and oversee the process, but then have help with production because, you know, we're sold in over 350 retail stores now and, mm-hmm. you know, growing required us to really have to find the right partners to help scale. For sure. Um, so yeah, we have a team of amazing women that help hand make the jewelry right here in New York. What would you say was the hardest part about starting your own business? I think in the beginning, everything felt hard yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I never had, you know, I was so young when I was starting, I was a college student. I didn't have the formal background. I had to really learn everything kind of in a scrappy way. And a lot of it was, you know, Googling things, asking for help, getting the right mentorship. Um, you know, when you're running your own business, especially in the beginning, you're wearing every hat, you're doing everything mm-hmm. from the production to the marketing, you know, figuring out your numbers and your, your profit margins and, yeah. you know, how to get it out there, creating your website. There's just so much weight on your shoulders and pressure. And I think, especially for me, having chosen to pursue my business full time, when I graduated, a lot of pressure from my family and my parents who thought I were, I thought, you know, thought I was crazy and not yeah. <laughs> applying for jobs. So there's that added element of like, you know, being young and, you know, my having to almost prove something to everyone and to my parents mm-hmm. that I can do this and I can make it. Um, but I would say just the overwhelm. I think there's so many things you could be doing at any given point, And it's really a process of learning, like how to best use your time and to know, like, you know, when it's time to outsource things off because you can't do it all. For sure. For sure. Um, so right now, what platform, like online platform, do you sell your products on? So we use Shopify. Shopify is an amazing e-commerce platform, especially if you're a product-based business. Um, so that's our main platform that we use. And then we use software called TradeGecko to process all of our backend. So that's for um, inventory management, all of our wholesale orders kind of go through that platform. Mm-hmm. So those are the two main systems that we use to run the business. Oh, and ShipStation, sorry, my fiance just chimed in. He's like, and, and ShipStation is another amazing um, platform that we use to get all of our orders shipped. So ShipStation syncs with TradeGecko and Shopify, and that's how we print okay. all of our shipping labels. Awesome. So something that I 
never actually found out for myself because I do have my own business too, but I'm not like in stores yet and everything. How do you go about getting your products in stores? Um, so for me in the beginning, um, you know, a lot of how I got myself into stores or got the line into stores was kind of using my network and just kind of, you know, through word of mouth, I had a friend whose mom owned a store or a store would reach out to me on through social media. So I think if you're just starting out with a product-based business, you know, really lean into your network because you never know who knows who. And that's always the best way is to get a personal intro. I also would just go into stores, you know, and introduce myself and, you know, leave behind a business card or ask if I could follow up and do an appointment. That's another great way. Just kind of put yourself out there, um, which can be scary because obviously, you know, getting rejected could be something that might hold you back. But Mm -hmm. for every five accounts that might say no, you'll have one store that says yes and is amazing. Um, And then, so that was kind of in the beginning. And then the second step was hiring sales reps. So finding Mm -hmm. the right sales reps to kind of rep the line and the benefit of working with a sales rep is that they have pre-existing relationships with stores. So a lot of our sales reps that we work with now are, you know, women that are seasoned reps that have have been in the industry for like a couple decades and just have a Rolodex of contacts. That's another great way is finding the right rep. And then the third way is doing trade shows. So we do all of the accessory shows. We do the New York Now gift show. We do the Atlanta gift show. Atlanta apparel show and accessories, the show. So doing um, these trade shows is a fantastic way to also get your brand out there and meet with buyers in person. Granted now in a post, you know, COVID world, it's a little Mm -hmm. bit harder to do those bigger conventions, but you know, I think also getting on the phone and just cold emailing, cold calling, um, you know, just putting your, your work out there and just emailing them Mm -hmm. a catalog. I think it's really important to have a simple line sheet where you have your brand and your price points and everything really clear. Um, And also another platform you can look into or for any listening that has a business is fair f-a-i-r-e.com fair is another great wholesale platform where buyers go on and they can place orders with you that way um but also to a social media like we've had so many stores find us through instagram so social media is another great tool to connect with stores because most stores have a, an instagram account and even just yeah. dming them engaging on their posts you know there's endless ways now to connect um, with store owners for sure so how does like the profit work when your products are sold in a store if you can speak about that of course. So we work with a keystone margin. So whatever our price is, um, so if our retail price is $48, then our keystone price is $24. And that's what stores will purchase it from us at wholesale and then resell it because the store has to also make money on a piece. Mm-hmm. And when I, you think about it, it's actually kind of, you know, it's been fascinating to see like how one bracelet, like how many livelihoods are affected by the sale of one bracelet. It's like our mm-hmm. production team, that's our suppliers, the person that's sourcing the stones. And then, you know, our sales reps that make commission on that. And then you know, our business and our employees and our staff, and then also the store that's reselling that bracelet and then, you know, profiting on it and also paying their employees. So one bracelet could help, you know, the livelihood of like eight women in the process, which is really cool Mm -hmm. from the jewelry makers to the sorcerers and down the line. Um, But yeah, that's what we work with. So, and you know, it's different for every industry with the jewelry, with our jewelry business being a smaller company, we work with Keystone pricing and then we have mm-hmm. minimums so that stores have to purchase a set amount to, to get that discounted wholesale pricing. Um, you know, depending on what your, your product is, really doing your research and, you know, market research on pricing and, you know, looking into your space and seeing, you know, who your target audience is, what stores you want to work with, and really pricing your goods um, based around, you know, that. And then also making sure you're accounting for your labor, your time, your effort in the beginning. That was one thing I did wrong. I wasn't accounting for, you know, labor costs or shipping costs Mm -hmm. and, you know, the packaging, there's so much that goes into the pricing of a piece. It's not just the actual item and the cost Mm -hmm. of goods. There's so much overhead that has to get worked into that. And to grow a healthy business, you need to make sure you're accounting for all of that, you know, in your markup so that you can actually grow and, and be a profitable business. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's a mistake I've made too when trying to open my businesses at the beginning. Like I didn't take into account everything else that goes into it. I only took into account the actual product. And when I started, I realized there were so many other things that cost money and needed more like research on and everything. So the first time I started my business, it kind of failed because of that. So it's really important to like do all your research before starting something. You have to know your numbers. That's a huge thing. Like that was something that I wish I had known earlier on was really, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at my numbers, understanding my PNL sheet and like figuring out what my expenses were, marketing, website expenses, you know, service fees. Even when you're charging a credit card, you have to pay credit card fees for payments. Mm -hmm. There's so much overhead. And then as you grow and you have staff, you have employees, you have commissions to pay, you know, you're, you're ordering in bulk on packaging. You need to make sure your, your price points are in a place where you can still be profitable, you know, with all of that in account, you can't just mark up the cost of goods itself. There's so much overhead that goes into a piece. And I, I think some people don't even realize how much goes into one item, for example. Yeah, for sure. So if someone buys something directly from your website, how does the shipping process look on your end? And like, how do you package everything? So our production team is in Manhattan. So our jewelry is made there. Um, we also store inventory at our warehouse. We are smaller batch, so a lot of our pieces are made to mm-hmm. order. There are some styles that we have in stock and we'll order in bulk from our production team and just stock it at our showroom. Mm-hmm. As you can see behind me, we have all of our bins yeah. here. This is where we keep our inventory and our packaging. Um, and then for some custom orders, like with stores, they'll order like a custom assortment of bracelets and charms. And for those, they're made to order. So we don't always hold inventory. We kind of do made to order pieces. Um, but we, we typically will do like a production run, have it shipped to us or go do a pickup. And then we package and ship everything from our headquarters. So all of our orders are packaged, whether they're gift wrapped or, you know, sent off to a wholesale account from our office here in Brooklyn. So you already spoke about this a bit, but you have like a team that you work with. How like big is your team and like, what does, what are the different roles that go into that? For sure. So we have about 15 people that we work with from our production team. We have a social media uh, marketing manager. We have a PR person. We have like several sales Mm -hmm. reps that work remotely. We have a graphic designer. We have a photographer. Um, we have a production assistant and then me and my fiance actually run the business. So he's our COO and he handles all of our finance and operations. So we have a pretty big team and we're mm-hmm. growing. Um, and a lot of our team members work remotely, obviously now yeah. with COVID, especially if they are remote. Um, but I would say a mix of all of those roles. So between production, sales, and like all the design elements as well. Awesome. So what would you say is your big end goal that you have for your business? Um, I would say one of my big dreams for the company is definitely to grow our wholesale and just be sold in more national and you know global retail accounts to really grow our brand ambassador program and build our community Uh, maybe eventually open a store Mm -hmm. in like a cute town someday. Um, But I think the biggest thing is to really make an impact. Um, There's so much more with my brand that I foresee in the future beyond being a jewelry brand. How can we really, you know, basically do more for our community and, you know, make more impact for young women, whether it's through the brand ambassador program that we have existing, maybe one day creating a foundation, Mm -hmm. um, partnering with other organizations. There's just so much we can do. Um, one of my dreams is to create a foundation called Following Her Bliss. I actually bought the domain followingherbliss.org, which I foresee in the next, you know, five to 10 years, maybe sooner, um, launching a foundation component of the company. Love that. And there's just so much we could do with that. I think you spoke a bit about at the beginning that I don't actually know this, but you said that with like you give back with the purchases or. Yeah. So we have several different uh, charitable collections. Mm-hmm. So for example, right now we've partnered with the Breasties, which is an amazing nonprofit um, to benefit Pinktober for Breast Cancer Awareness mm-hmm. Month. We partnered with Social Teas, Animal Rescue. Um, we've partnered with City Meals to give back um, you know, for, for their efforts for, through COVID. Um, 
And yeah, I think for us, it's really partnering with smaller organizations where we can make a bigger impact and really help their cause. So we do a lot of charitable collections that way. Um, and then with our brand ambassadors, we have them choose a charity that they're passionate about, and then they can host a fundraiser okay. where we donate a percentage of proceeds to that fundraiser. So for example, if someone's involved with Chi Omega Sorority and they're a brand ambassador, mm -hmm. they can choose to donate to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So okay. they do an in-person pop-up or an online pop-up. We've, we've worked with like, I would say probably over 60 different organizations for different fundraising events. Wow. I love that. That's so cool. Thank you. What's been your biggest motivator for you during this whole business journey? Um, I would say for me, I think it's focusing on the life that I want to have and the impact that mm -hmm. I want to make. I think when you're starting a business or you're a business owner, it's so important to think about the end goal and to have big visions and big yeah. dreams because it's hard. You know, it's a roller coaster. Not every day, you know, success is not linear. It's very much mm -hmm. like this. And, you know, there are, there's a lot of stress and responsibility and weight that comes with the business, but also, you know, incredible, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, and I think for me, it's been focusing on my vision and my dreams and like, you know, every step of the way kind of celebrating the small wins and the yeah. big wins and just staying laser beam focused on where I'm headed. Um, and it's also like, you know, the freedom that you have when you have a business, though you're always working, there is freedom of time. One day when I want to start a family, being able to be there for them, because I grew up with parents that both worked full time and weren't really around. My mom worked a lot mm -hmm. and you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandma. And I think growing up that really affected me because I wish my mom could have been there more yeah. instead of just working all the time. Um, so for me, like, you know, when I do become a mom, I want that to be my priority and have the flexibility to make my own schedule. And, you know, I think that's kind of a big driving force for me is, is focused on the life I want to have. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any marketing tips and tricks that you'd like to share with us? Sure. So I think um, definitely know your audience, know your brand voice, because that will help determine everything else, whether mm -hmm. it's the stores you want to work with, whether it's influencers or brands you want to collab with, um, even your your copy, your captions, your email marketing, knowing who your, your, your girl is, your target yeah. audience. Um, that's number one. If you don't know that, then you're talking to everybody and it's confusing. And, you know, I think the key to being successful is really knowing your market and, you know, building your tribe and having those loyal followers that resonate with you. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is knowing what social platforms work for us, you know, being a younger brand, I think Instagram has been like, yeah. you know, our biggest platform while we are on like Pinterest and Facebook, Instagram is where most of our girls are. And now TikTok, mm -hmm. which I'm planning to eventually create a TikTok. I know that's where like a lot of the younger girls yeah. are, are on now. Um, but yeah, our social media manager, Danae, keeps telling me we need to make a TikTok and get on that. So that's on my to-do list. Um, but I would say like knowing what platforms, you know, work best for your brand. For example, if you are an older business, you know, someone who has a, a brand that's targeting an older demographic, maybe Facebook makes mm -hmm. more sense for you than Instagram. So I think it comes down to really knowing who you want to target um, and then just really fine tuning your, your voice, your style, your vibe. You know, it's kind of like that quote, build it and they will come. Mm -hmm. You know, what you put out there, like the people that resonate with it will stick. And for us as a brand, the voice has always been uplifting, inspiring. I've always wanted to feel, or I wanted the brand voice to feel like a big sister or a friend who uplifts you and inspires you um, and empowers you and also is very relatable, but aspirational. So all of those elements kind of, you know, I keep in mind when I'm creating content or thinking about different buckets, whether it's highlighting a role model or, you know, reposting an inspirational quote mm -hmm. um, or even designing the pieces. I think having that target girl in mind drives everything forward with my, with my business and my brand. Um, so I would say those are the key things yeah, for, sure. for us that have been really helpful. I think you should get on TikTok because personally I use TikTok and like I see a lot of different brands on there and it's just cool to like, they show like a lot of like behind the scenes of a business and things. And I've actually bought in things from seeing someone on TikTok. So I think, I think it would benefit you a lot. 
Yeah, I think you just inspired me. <laughs> I'm gonna definitely get on it. I've been delaying it because I feel like it's overwhelming mm -hmm. to like learn a new platform, yeah. but it's definitely on my to-do list. Awesome. Well, I hope you do get on it soon. Um, so how do you balance life as a business owner? I know now because of COVID and everything, there's not much of a social life going on, at least where I live. Um, so how did before that, how did you like balance like a business, a social life, seeing family, things like that? It's definitely hard. I feel like, you know, when you own a business, you can feel like you're always working. And for mm -hmm. me, sometimes I feel like I am because even, you know, there is no like the nine to five schedule where you leave the office yeah. and you're done. When you own a business, you're in it 100% of the time. And for me, it's like, I'll get a really great idea at like, you know, one in the morning and I want to jot it down yeah. or I want to check social or I'm constantly glued to my email. It's been a journey that I'm still, to be honest, like even being in business for almost a decade, still learning how to balance my time better. And I think it's just making some non-negotiable time for yourself. Like for example, one thing I started to do is meditate in the mornings. Mm -hmm. So 20 minutes in the morning, you're supposed to meditate 20 minutes twice a day. I've committed myself to doing <laughs> 20 minutes at least in the morning and having that personal time for myself really enables me to get my thoughts together and relax and kind of calm my stress. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, setting a schedule for yourself really helps. And then, you know, making an effort to get dinner with friends at least like once a week. Um, you know, for me, for my fiance and I, like making time for date night or having time just to like sit and watch TV together and not be talking about the business because, yeah. you know, running the company together also has its challenges where where's the fine line between your personal relationship and then being business partners. Um, but I think it's just kind of finding what works for you. Mm -hmm. You know, pre-COVID, I would definitely like, go to Pilates or go to a yoga class. And that yeah. was like my me time or making time to get a manicure and pedicure, just like those little things to kind of break it up and have some self-care time. You know, I think that's important. Um, but it's, there's no like easy answer. I think, you know, life only gets harder from mm -hmm. here on out, especially as you start to have a family and your business grows, like it's, you're only going to get busier. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of like setting boundaries for yourself and committing to like, for this hour, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to do something for me or be with friends and like shut off. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely hard, especially when you're just starting out and you just like are so excited yeah. and you want to do, you want to just like work on your business 24 seven, but you don't want to burn out. And that's something that I definitely felt earlier on was that I, you know, I felt burned out mm -hmm. and I wasn't making enough time for myself. Yeah. That's super important. Cause I feel like if like some people don't take any breaks at all. And I feel like if you don't take any breaks at all, even like if it's like with school or anything, I feel like you, you're like risking burning out. And then in the end, like in the long run, it won't help you at all. Exactly. If your cup isn't full and you're not like totally, you know, focus on yourself and your own mental and physical health, then you can't fill anyone else's cup. Mm -hmm. So it's important to make sure that you yourself are in a good place and not, you know, wearing yourself thin because, you know, you can't give anything your all when you're feeling like that. Yeah. For so sure. it's really important to make that time. Yeah. So I was going to ask if you work from your home or out of an office space, but I can see that you have an office space. Yes. <laughs> um, when did you take the jump mm -hmm. to get your own office space? For sure. So we just opened our showroom earlier this year. So we signed our lease in January, right before COVID hit, which was not ideal timing. Um, but you know, we were at the point where we were, we were really growing and we needed more space for inventory and packaging and our team to work. So in hindsight, it still was the right move because we couldn't, we were like bursting at the seams in our home office. So I think for us, it was just a matter of taking the leap when the right space came about. I'd been searching for a while and had a vision for what I wanted my dream space to be and dream location. And, you know, we found it and it all happened. It was like a whirlwind. We literally like spent a day like looking at different spaces. And when I stepped foot in the showroom, I just knew, I just like felt it. And within like a couple mm -hmm. hours, I signed a lease and I was like, what did I just do? But you know, it's been <laughs> amazing. And our space is in Greenpoint right near the water, right. in like an amazing neighborhood with lots of local businesses and restaurants and boutiques. 
And it's just like such a like amazing feeling to be able to like, you know, leave home and like walk to my office and like be in a space that I feel mm-hmm. inspired in. Um, and also being able to have customers come shop and stop by has been really fun. Um, so we're really excited. That's so cool. Um, so the last part of my podcast, I asked people on Instagram to ask you questions. So I picked a few of my favorites. Um, so someone asked, where did you start getting your products from when you began? For sure. So my first designs were actually made from reworked vintage pieces that I had bought in Berlin. Mm -hmm. So the summer before I launched the business, I did a study abroad program in Poland and Germany. And so I went to all these cool vintage markets and bought all these like amazing pendants and pieces. And my first collection was actually incorporating a lot of those pieces in the necklaces and, and bracelets that I was making. So a lot of like vintage finds, a lot of one of a kind stuff. Um, and then from that point on, I was just kind of doing research and finding the right suppliers, mm-hmm. even just Googling like bead manufacturers and just kind of visiting different warehouses um, and doing a lot of research. But in the beginning, a lot of it was just kind of reworked vintage. And then as we grew and, and started to scale, just like doing my research on finding, you know, bead suppliers and chain suppliers and visiting and then ordering samples. Um, so that's kind of how I started was really with those pieces that I had bought from Berlin flea markets, which was really, really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, someone else wants to know, did you have any inspiration for when starting your business? Yes. So I think for me, you know, the idea of starting my own jewelry brand was also inspired by, you know, working for a small business where we carried a lot of different jewelry designers. So as a salesperson there, I had to like study their backgrounds and, and, you know, mm-hmm. sell their product and learning their stories was always really inspiring to me. You know, I love looking up to other female entrepreneurs that are in this world as inspiration. Um, some of which are like Chan Lu and Goryana jewelry. There's just so many incredible female business owners that kind of started where I did and are now, you know, much further mm-hmm. along. And I think that's always been a huge inspiration is seeing women that have actually did it. You know, I think that's a, yeah. a huge thing when you're starting out to really have those role models or women that you aspire to be like, whether it's their career path or mm-hmm. their trajectory to kind of, you know, keep you focused on like where you're headed and to know that if they can do it, you can do it. And I think that's really important is to always be inspired by, other women's success and not feel intimidated or, you know, have a competitive space about it. Just really think like, wow, if they did it, then they're proving to me that I can also accomplish my dreams. So I think that was like a huge driving force was like studying different designers and their backgrounds and how they got to where they are doing things like this, like listening to podcasts and, and hearing from Mm -hmm. women that, you know, did what I set out to do. And I think that was always like a huge inspiration and still is today to me um, to see other women killing it. Love that. Um, someone else would like to know, do you have a current favorite piece you're selling right now? Which and why? I think my current favorite, well, I have two favorites, our vote necklace, which we launched um, as limited edition piece. And, you know, I think it's amazing to wear that and see other girls wearing it to inspire others to vote. As mm-hmm. we know, this is like the most important election of our lifetime, probably. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the vote necklace is definitely my favorite. And then the second favorite piece that I wear all the time, I'm wearing a turtleneck right now, so you actually can't see it, but mm-hmm. it's our Esme chain necklace. And it's just a beautiful um, 18 karat gold plated chain that you can wear as a lariat, a choker, an adjustable necklace. Um, and it's just my go-to. It's so beautiful. And that's mm-hmm. our number one best-selling necklace of the moment as well. Wow. I love that. Um, someone else would like to know if you weren't a business owner, what do you think you'd be doing? This is a really good question and really hard to answer because I feel like I have so many <laughs> other interests and passions. I've always loved interior mm-hmm. design. I feel like doing something in environmentalism or like the social activism space would be amazing. Um, I also have a passion for clean beauty and like non-toxic living. So working for a company that promotes that, um, and animal rescue, I feel like any of those different realms are areas that I'd be passionate for. And those are all, you know, different avenues where we've supported through the business with charitable initiatives. Mm -hmm. So I think there's still a way that I'm able to kind of, um, explore those passions through FYB. 
but those are definitely yeah, for some sure. areas I'd be into. Awesome. And the last question is, do you have any tips for people wanting to start their own business? So I think you need to first find what you're really passionate about. And that's a huge thing because when you're starting a business, if you're not in love with the actual work you're doing or the actual product you're creating or the service you're creating, um, you're going to get burned out and you're not going to enjoy it. And you need to actually enjoy your work. You know, there's moments where it's really hard, but then there are times when I just like, I'm fully vibing and I feel like I'm truly like in my bliss and I'm Mm -hmm. not even feeling like I'm working because I enjoy the work that I do. So I think that's a key thing. You can't just start a business because you want to make money or you want to be a girl boss or you need to have the right intention and, and the right motivation for starting yeah. where it is you're starting. Um, and the second thing, again, comes down to knowing your audience, knowing who you know your tribe is that you're building, whether it's your, your customer base or your audience, you know, putting something out there that is resonating with the target group that you want to be you know, focused on. I think those two things are important. Um, you know, and I think just being open to, and to pivoting because things change mm-hmm. and you need to pivot your business sometimes and not being glued to one area is really important. Being able to adapt and grow um, is a huge part of success. And especially now, as we've seen with the pandemic, you know, a lot of companies that didn't have, you know, pivots in motion or weren't able to kind of segue to online or find another avenue to drive revenue, I think, you know, unfortunately weren't able to survive something like this. So I think it's important to always pay attention to things growing and changing um, and being open to that and being flexible because, you know, even in my, you know, nine years in business, we've changed a lot. When I was first starting out, we were mainly like a social selling brand focused on a, a campus ambassador program. And then halfway through, I realized that wholesale was really where I wanted to mm-hmm. grow, you know, and maintaining the brand ambassador program, but then changing that. And then with social media and, you know, things changing in that world, you know, how do we pivot that program to make more sense for college girls? Um, and especially now with COVID, not being able to do in-person trunk shows, how do you pivot that experience? Yeah. So I think entrepreneurship is all about, you know, being able to adapt um, and not being glued to one particular thing, because that's a lot of how success will come your way is when you're able to kind of make those changes and listen to your audience um, and realize what's working. So I think in a nutshell, you know, always from a place of passion, do what you really love, know your audience, and then be willing to adapt and change and be flexible. So I think those are my key things. Awesome. I love all those. They're very, they're all really, really important. And you can take that like in any like career that you're in I think absolutely awesome well that's all the questions I had for you today so thank you so much again for coming on the podcast before we go do you want to shout out your socials and your website for people to find you yes absolutely so you guys can follow us at fyb jewelry is our instagram and our website is fybjewelry.com and my personal instagram is at Alyssa Kuchta. awesome well thank you so much once again Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really, really, really do hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you got to know a little bit more about Alyssa and her story on FYB Jewelry. Fun little fact for the next week. So until October 25th, if you're listening to this after, I'm very sorry, but until October 25th, you can get 20% off site wide if you use the code BTGB20. I'm going to repeat that. BTGB20, you can get 20% off at FYB Jewelry. So you better jump on that opportunity. So right now, starting right this second when you're listening to this, until October 25th, 20% off BTBG, BTGB, BTGB20. I'm going to leave it in the show notes below because apparently I don't even know my own acronym for my show. Yes. So don't 
miss out on that opportunity her stuff is so pretty i'm literally gonna go order myself some stuff right now while i'm after i record this um but yeah i really do hope you guys enjoyed this don't forget to go follow Alyssa on her personal and her business page and go support the journey and if you want to support mine don't be shy you can follow me on instagram either at at behind the girl boss or at it's amanda Wan. and you can follow me on youtube it's amanda Wan. and please do not forget to follow or subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it on and if it by chance be apple podcast don't forget to leave a review because it really does help get the show to a new level on the charts i think i don't really know but yeah so once again thank you guys so much for listening to this and i will hear you next time